Our scripture this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing clearly the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Light will shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this time of worship. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, O oh Lord, for you do open our eyes to see you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us see you through this word as it is proclaimed, that you will help us to not just see you, but understand what you have to say to us this morning. Give us understanding. Give us, O oh Lord, wisdom. Give us of your spirit. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you see? Can you see? You can see. One of the things that we get asked whenever we go to a sporting event and we sit down is, hey, can you see? Are you able to see the field? Are you able to see the players? Are you able to see what's going on? We especially ask that question if our friend happens to sit right behind somebody who is seven foot four. Can you see? And the short answer for somebody who's short is no. I cannot see. No, I have my view obstructed. No, these are really what? Bad seats. Anybody got bad seats sometimes in, a, in an event where you sat behind the pillar of, of concrete and you were like, really? Or you had to sit behind the scoreboard in one of the games and you're like, I can't see anything. It's really bad when you can't see. You went there to see, and you can't. You went there to witness, and you can't. Your view is obstructed. The answer to the question, can you see, when you are somebody in front of you or something in front of you is, no, I can't. But that answer is not really true. You know why? Because you can see the back of the other person's head. You can see the back of the scoreboard. You can see the concrete wall in your way. So the real answer is not, I can see or I can't see. It's, what can we see? What are we actually able to see when we look? Because we always see something. The question is, what are we really seeing and what are we really not? You see, what we see matters. It counts. If it didn't, we would never go anywhere to see anything. But we go all sorts of places to see and experience different things. I want you to think about that. We go to the movies. To what? See a movie. How many of us want to go to the movies 
to not be able to see the movie. That's not what we go for. Imagine going to a museum and having all the lights off. Pointless. We go to experience, we go to see, we go to the game to be able to see on the field all the players doing their thing and ultimately we want to experience it for ourselves. If we didn't want to experience it for ourselves, we would simply wait until the game was over and we would just watch the recap on Sports Center, right? We would see the highlights, all the good plays. They skip all of the stuff in the middle. They just tell you when they scored, who scored, you know, the big, the big plays. But that's not what we want. We don't just want to hear it from somebody else. We actually want to be there. We want to be able to, to live that moment and what's happening. Here in Atlanta, there are people that remember when Hank Aaron broke the home run record. How many of you remember when that happened? Many of us remember that because it was like in the media and it was everywhere. I mean, it, it was very publicized. But here in Atlanta, there are people that you can talk to that are still living today that say, I was actually there. You were there. See, this is what I'm talking about. She didn't hear it from somebody else. She didn't see it on the news. She was actually there. And that makes a difference because she got to see it and experience it for herself. And I can't imagine the excitement on the stadium when you were there. I mean, it must have been going crazy, right? People were just besides themselves. This was big. It was something that you will never forget. Paul writes to us today in 2 Corinthians about those who can't see the gospel of Jesus Christ who don't really know the truth of God's love in Jesus Christ as it has been revealed to us. He says it's like they are veiled or that the gospel is covered to the point that they can't perceive it. They can't receive the light of God that comes from Jesus Christ who came into the world as our Savior Paul explains that the God of this world has done a really good job of what? Blinding their understanding, blinding their hearts, making it hard for them to see the gospel of glory that has been given to us in Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. So put up that picture real quick. If you're the person who has been blinded from the gospel, Paul writes that you are perishing because you're not able to see what God wants to reveal to you. More than physical blindness, no. The scripture describes it as a lack of understanding of what God has done in Jesus Christ. So it's not just that you can't physically see Jesus, it's that you can't understand what Jesus came to do when he came to be the light of the world and the Savior who has come into the world to share God's love. And so there are many people that are sitting like this guy, living through life, not being able to see what God is doing on the field, not blinded to the reality of what God wants to show them and what God wants them to be a part of, us, part of us, 
part of. And God wants more for this guy. He wants more for each and every one of those people for whom the gospel is still veiled for those who can't see because it's covered or hidden. We all have, know somebody who is like this guy. We might not realize it, but we know somebody who is still kind of not able to see or perceive fully who Jesus is in their lives. The problem is that many of our friends that are like this are also the ones who are so stubborn they're not willing to change seats. They're the friends that are unwilling whenever we invite them to come to church. These are the friends that you mention Jesus and they cringe or they change the topic or they walk away. They're so blinded to the gospel that they can't even understand what they're missing. You know, one of the things about good seats is that you don't really realize what good seats are until you've had bad seats. Until you've been in the nosebleeds and you can't see the players because they're about that big, you don't understand the benefit of actually having good seats right down in the field. And all of a sudden you go, whoa, I didn't know they were that big. Why? Because you're finally able to have a good view of what's going on. And so these friends are stuck behind barriers that keep them from seeing the fullness of the gospel. And they're not willing to change seats to get a better view. So what does Paul say? He says, if they're not willing to move from their seats, then you have to help them to want to do that. You have to help them to get intrigued about what God is doing in the world and in your life and in their lives so that they will want to change their point of view. And so you need to become like a play-by-play -play commentator. How many of us have heard play-by-play? -play? We've all heard play-by-play, -play, right? For those that don't know, play-by-play -play is when the announcers start telling you everything that's happening on the field. And they start describing it and just relaying everything that is going on, but they don't just tell you. They tell you! They get excited! I just woke the youth up. They get excited! They really get going. Before you know it, you are excited yourself. You don't even know what's going on, but it's cool. And all of a sudden, you want to find out what's happening on the field because it is exciting. And you want to know who did it and how it was done. And now you're watching the replay because you want to see it all. You don't want to miss a thing. Paul is saying, you need to become a play-by-play -play commentator. You need to begin to share with your friends what is happening on the field of play called life, what God is doing in your life and in those around you, and even in the lives of your friends who don't even see it. And you have to get them excited about who Jesus is and about what he can do for them in their own lives. If you've heard play-by-play -play commentators, you know that the really good ones are the ones that you can close your eyes and listen to their play-by-play -play 
and you can picture in your head what is going on in the field. He's at the 40, he's at the 30, he's at the 30, he scores! And you can see in your mind that player running down the field to score. You can imagine it, you can picture it, you can relate to it. When we share Jesus, it needs to be that alive. It needs to be that real. It needs to really convey not just the facts of the game, not just the facts of what happened, but the excitement and the experience and the energy and the mood of what went on. You've got to really help people to experience the joy that you have in Christ. To know that even, even though they weren't there, they're invited to come and see and you know, when you hear one of these commentators, you feel like you were there, even though you're sitting in your couch. You feel like you were there and part of it, and you become engaged. You and I are to serve those who can't see, those whose minds have been blinded by the enemy, by sharing with them what Christ is still doing in the field called the world. Paul makes it clear that we're not doing it to pro promote ourselves or to proclaim ourselves. We're not doing it to show them how much better seats we have because we're Christian. We're not doing it to rub it in their face that they're sitting behind the, you know, the, the scoreboard and can't see. We are doing it so that they will be motivated to change their point of view, to change their seats, to change where they are so that they can get a better view of what God is doing. And the more they see him, the more they will be moved to get closer to the field. In Christian terms, what we call the play-by-play -play is really our testimony. It's what God is doing. And if you describe it well enough, the person listening to you will travel in the journey from where you've been to where you are. And they will begin to have hope for where God can take them in the future because they see where God has brought you from up to this point. And that testimony is what allows us to help people to remove the broken glass, the tainted glasses that keep them from seeing the light of Christ in their lives. Now let me be clear. You and I can't take the glasses off their face. Each person has to make their own decision for Christ. We can tell them until we're blue in the face. But at some point, Jesus has to touch their hearts, and they have to desire him, and they have to desire to take these off so they can really see the fullness of Christ. Our job is to give them as much of what we have experienced in Christ so that they develop that desire to know Jesus as their personal Savior. The enemy is never able to extinguish the light of Christ. Never able to extinguish the light of Christ. But do notice in our scripture that it says that he definitely tries to put things in the way. Scripture says a veil, 
but you can replace Baal with all kinds of things that get in the way of us seeing who Jesus is. He says, he puts these things in the way so that people will not just not see, but not understand who Jesus is. So there are people that have heard of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They've seen the shimmer of the glory of God on the fringes, but they have not stared into the eyes of the Son of God who gave their, his life for them. They have not had an encounter with the risen Lord. You and I are there to be the ones to help them to remove the things that get in the way, to invite them to change their seats, to invite them to open their spiritual eyes, to receive the good news of the gospel. The truth is you can't do this unless you see yourself. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not excited about what God is doing in your life and in the world, if you have not experienced the removing of your own blinders, how can you lead anyone to know Jesus? The scripture says that a blind person cannot lead another blind person or they'll both fall in the hole. That's what it says. We have to first remove our blinders, see the truth of who Jesus is, experience him firsthand so that we can say, I know Jesus. Let me tell you about him. We must see to help others see. We must seek to understand the gospel if we're going to help others to understand the gospel. We must study the word of God if we're going to teach anybody about the word of God. We must experience faith in order to promote faith. You can't give what you don't have. Paul was very clear to the church of Corinth. Your task is to continue to lead others to see the fullness of the glory of God that has been shown to us in Jesus Christ. Speak of the light in such a way that others want to see it and experience it and understand it. Let others know about Jesus in your life so that they know that God is real and that he still works in lives today. And God will do the rest. God will touch the heart. God will send his Holy Spirit to convict and to bring people into repentance. And God will give them new seats. God will give them new seats. Sometimes we get so busy trying to help people that we want to tell them where to sit. Not our job. Not our job. Our job is to let them know that God has better seats for them. Our job is to tell them that Jesus wants to show them things they haven't seen. Our job is to tell them how God has moved us around and change the way we see things. And then we just sit back and give God the glory for the things he has done. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you so much for being in our lives, for having shown us your son Jesus Christ and his glory and his 
mercy and his love for bringing us, O oh Lord, to an understanding of who he is in our own lives. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us to share with others the good news. To invite them, Lord, to be first-hand experiencers of your grace. To invite them, O oh Lord, to know Jesus as their own personal Savior. Lord, help us get excited about what you're doing as much as we do about a game or about other things in life. Help us to get even more excited about what your Son did for us on the cross than we do our own accomplishments. And help us to celebrate Jesus every day in such a way that others want to join us in celebrating him as Lord and Savior. We ask you, O oh Lord, just to empower us to share our testimony and to invite others to know him. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the point at which we normally pour Gatorade on the pastor after the sermon. <laughs> the excitement of the gospel. I want you to take it with you. The altar is going to be open if you want to come up for prayer. To ask God, which friend of yours is sitting behind the scoreboard? Which friend of yours or family member still needs to hear that there's hope and there's good news? Which coworker needs a word of encouragement because they can't see clearly that God is reaching out to them? The altar is open. We'll be glad to pray with you today as we continue to worship.